Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Oh, stupid voice. How about now? You can understand me, can't you? Yeah, we got you. I'm trying my best. Hold on, let me have a, a little, little honey and apple cider vinegar spray. Hold on here. Okay. Well, I know. Now I got a sweet voice, literally. You want to talk some baseball? Yeah, I do. Heck yeah. How about you, Jake? Only if we can talk to Jack Johnson That's right. about baseball. All right. The Set it up. Live from Surprise, Arizona. Our man on the spot, Jack Johnson. Welcome to the Board Patrol. How are you doing, man? Hey, we're doing good down here. Uh, already out of the ballpark. Very nice morning. Sun's shining, and uh, guys are already in the cage, so a full day ahead of us. Do you like doing a show with Jake? I do. Come on. You, Nate, Jake, it's it's all the same to me. I can't pick favorites well, here. Listen to me. What's it like? I mean, like your first day when you saw him walking in there. It's a little a, a different different flavor than Marco. Were you like before you before you started doing a show with him? You're like, oh, oh boy. Like, I, be, I, I, be honest. What was your? I I knew something special was brewing. I, oh, there's a you? presence around Jake. There's an aura around. Yeah, there him. sure is. You know that, yeah, when when he comes into the studio, you know, heads are turning. You know, talking about baseball, like a five tool prospect. That's what that's what Jake is. When he walks into the room, you know, everybody takes notice. Oh, he's a tool, all right. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Now that you've experienced both, which which is a more harrowing experience? Hosting a live radio show with Jake Gutierrez or being in a car with Seren Petro? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, I would say I could describe both of them as exhilarating. There you uh, go. The hard man. pounding man. Yeah. <laughs> Seren, Both of them will make you feel alive. Seren's got places to be, man. So you just got to buckle up and, and hope for the best. That's exactly right. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. He will MF the the uh, opposing drivers with the yep. best of them. You know, it's entertaining. I told I told Jack, he was like, hey, so what's in store for me as I go down to spring training? <laughs> and I said, well, you're going with Petro, so a couple things you need to know. You got a choice. Either you can drive and deal with him screaming at you for not driving aggressively enough, or you can let him him drive and be terrified the entire time. So it's just it's your choice. Yeah, whatever. Which one you want? The, all I say is uh, my only uh, advice is uh, just the rotation of In-N-Out Burger and Del Taco. Yeah. Will never steer you wrong. Have you had Del Taco yet? We haven't, no. It's been a lot of McDonald's in the morning. And then we've actually gone to a couple of places at night. We went to Peoria the other night. Actually, really fun city there. So uh, There's a Del Taco in Emporia right on Bell Road. Okay, so who did you yeah, guys talk I, about yesterday so I don't go over the same? We talked a lot of pitching yesterday, I feel like. Didn't we, Jack? You know, we talked about the ro- the new rotation yeah. and all mm-hmm. that. So yeah, Lots t- of pitching and bullpen. Yeah. Hmm. So do you think they will be able to trade Jordan Lyles? See, you know, I because they want to. Was, uh, you think about it, and I think a very similar comparison is what they had in, in Mike Miner a few years back. You know, Mike Miner, I believe, at, 
had gotten here to spring training and then, you know, shortly before the season, kind of as a salary dump, they flipped him to, to Cincinnati, and that's when they got Amir Garrett. Uh, the problem is, you know, Mike Miner was coming off a much better season than what George Lyles is. And, you know, I think the Royals do have some hope, uh, though I don't think a lot of people are going to believe it until they actually see it. That Lyles as a fifth starter could be a little bit more valuable than he was last year as, let's say, a two or a three. Um, you know, right now they do have some, you know, injury concerns with the number five spot. You know, Chris Bubich, McElroy said he probably isn't going to be ready till July. I think that's where they can get him back, you know, at the big league level. I'm sure he can be rehabbing for that. But it might just be Jordan Lyles from the get-go. Now, will I say the leash will be long? Probably not. I think that if he really starts to struggle – they're going to have Daniel Lynch kind of waiting in the wings there to, uh, you know, take that spot. I think he's looked so good, uh, pretty good so far in the, the first two to three days that we've been down here. Velo looks good. Uh, but I do think at this point in time, Jordan Lyles is going to be the number five starter. Never say never. I mean, I've been caught off guard by a handful of the moves they've made this offseason, but I just don't know who you can, you know, ask to, to take on that contract. And if they were to take on that contract, you'd probably have to package one of your top prospects to just eat that money and, I'm not sure that Jay Typical is willing to do that. So let's let let's say, and this is what I think would happen, because I do think that they are more than willing to to trade him. You got to find the right partner. But if they traded him, I think that that would open the door for Grinky to return. I think Grinky wants to come back, but there's no spot mm-hmm. for him in the rotation. I'll ask each of you guys this question: Would you? How, how much better would you feel if the fifth starter was Grinky over Lyles, or does it does it matter that much? To either one of you? You know, I think I'd feel better with Granky on the bump. I think it'd be more well-received with Granky on the bump as opposed to Jordan Lyles. Um, I just, I think I'm a little bit concerned with the fact that nobody is even giving him that deal. I mean, I think he's going to pay for or play for a really cheap deal, a one-year deal, and, and maybe just a fifth spot in the rotation. But it's kind of clear to me at this point that he just doesn't have many suitors out there. Maybe, you know, in the coming days, somebody's going to jump the jump the gun and try to give him, you know, what he's looking for, and he can kind of you know, slide into that number five spot. Uh, but if they were to move Jordan Lyles, they were to get somebody to eat at least a chunk of that salary, maybe a team that's just needing starters at this point. I mean, Oakland, Colorado, Washington, those teams kind of come to mind. It's just, hey, what the Royals did last year, we need an inning eater that will just, you know, take some innings from the young guys if they can only go three or four the night before. But if Granky's there and you are to move um, a Jordan Lyles, I guess it then comes down to the point of would you rather roll with Granky, you know, who will be 40, 41 years old this year, and that might mean that Daniel Lynch is never going to be that number fifth starter, he's never going to be a guy in the rotation, or do you say, I think we saw the last of Zach Granky, and if he pitches for somebody else, okay, but we're going to roll with Daniel Lynch. So that's who I kind of think are the options right now. You can throw in, you know, an Alec Marsh and Anthony Veneziano, Jonathan Boland guys waiting there as well. So if they pick Granky over those guys, it could also indicate that maybe they're not as high on the, on the guys as we think. Yeah, I, I think uh, part of it also is I think Grinky has been waiting for Kansas City because he'd like to come back here, but there's not a spot open. But you know what? One injury away, and, and there could be a spot open. You know, another name that I've heard that I've had people mention to me as far as if they did decide to go with a younger guy in the fifth spot, what do you think of uh, uh, Angel Zerpa? I really do like Zerpa. I thought he looked strong uh, last year. You could see a little bit of the, uh, the the velocity uptick there. I thought his spin rate was pretty good. I'm still a little bit um, 
concerned about the lack of a, of a third pitch there. You know, we bring that up with Brady Singer all the time. Of he needs to fine tune the change up, and he's working now. Uh, this offseason has been a camp on this four seamer and sinker. So Brady's looking to have a little more pitches, but Serpa. You know, I think he's got the stuff to play a little bit better in the bullpen, but if he is to become a starter, I think a spot starter, you know, every once in a while he can, you know, be that guy to fill in that role. I think he's got good stuff. I just don't know if it could ever be uh, uh, an arm that could go five or six innings consistently. I think if you were in a pinch, somebody was sick the night before, somebody wasn't ready to go, had a, you know, a tight hamstring and warm-ups and you needed Zerber to go, I think he's more than capable of taking that spot. But I, I still think he's got a little bit more development to go before he could be uh, maybe a full-time starter. I think the Royals right now view him as a bullpen guy. And if he sticks in the bullpen, uh, maybe that velocity can keep uh, getting up a little bit. I mean, you then you have a left-hander that can throw anywhere from you know 96 or 97. That can play out of the bullpen as opposed to maybe sitting around 92, 93 on the mound as a starter. So, uh, yeah, I... I... I think he's an exciting prospect. Um, the, let, let's uh, let's move back to the offensive side of things, Jack. It's something that we talked about and touched on a little bit yesterday. That I, I'm get I'm curious what Stevens' thoughts are on this as well. You pointed out some numbers that that offensively, the Royals maybe are closer to being the type of team that can win the AL Central than we think. I don't know what your perception is, Stephen, on what the offense is overall for the Royals coming into this season. But, Jack, maybe you could lay it out for, for Stephen why you feel optimistic that this team, even what they did last year, should be a good indicator of why we should be optimistic this year about the offense as a whole. Well, you know, I think what was so important about last year is they saw the type of player, not only defensively, but offensively, that Bobby Wood Jr. could become. I mean, you're talking about a guy that got MVP votes last year. So when you can build around that in the lineup, it makes everything so much easier on you. And J.J. Bacola even said this offseason, you know, they're kind of treating Vinny Pasquantino as an offseason acquisition because he was hurt last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got a guy coming back fully healthy. That's a well above average league bat. Uh, we saw Michael Garcia really play well at the top spot. Uh, in the lineup, you know, Salvador Perez, he's battled some injuries. He's been banged up, had that blurriness uh, with his vision. But to me, Nate, what's going to come down to is what is MJ Melendez going to look like? Can Renfro bounce back? Can Kyle Isbell just be a league average or slightly below league average back? Because we know the defense is going to be fine. What can Michael Massey give you? I know it's a lot of what ifs, and, you know, you can only go with that so long throughout a season. But there are guys to build around. I mean, I think the top four in that lineup is very consistent. When you're going to have Garcia, you're going to have Bobby with Jr., you're going to have Vinny, you're going to have Salvi. Then it comes down to, all right, uh, what can these other guys give you? I mean, what should give Royals fans hope, and I think we talked about this yesterday, Nate, is that Detroit putrid offense last year. They were one of the worst offenses in baseball, but they kind of built that team around their pitching and their bullpen, and they were so consistent, they were so reliable that they'd win a lot of those three to two games and those four to three games. So you think about this rotation in Kansas City stabilizing a bit, being able to go five, six, and seven, the bullpen being able to lock things down. Then you kind of build that confidence of, hey, we don't need eight or nine runs in this game. We only need maybe three or four to win this game or four to five. And I think the offense is closer than people expect. I think MJ Melendez is going to have a much better year. I think Isbell will have a much better year as long as Massey, as well as Massey, excuse me. And, you know, that can really play. If you can get about six guys in that lineup contributing at a consistent level, that's when you really can start to be taken seriously as a division title uh, contender. Okay, so this is, this is what I think the offense is. What it's going to be? Because oddly enough, I don't. I don't think there's too many spots open for competition, or at least 
I think the Royals have an idea of what they want to happen. Now, injuries could happen. Someone could have like a super hot spring versus someone having the cold spring, and they could win a spot. But I, I think if everything goes the way they want, obviously Vinny at first, Massey at second, Witt at short, Garcia at third, and then Hampson and Frazier are your two backups, and they like them because they can also play both play outfield. And then your five outfielders are going to be Isbell, MJ, Renfro, Velasquez, and then Dyrone Blanco because they love his speed and his defense, and he's the perfect kind of bench player comparable to what, what Gerard Dyson was for them. That leaves, and then Salvi and Fermin, the catcher, that leaves on the outside looking in Nick Prado because they were hoping with the opportunity last year when Vinny went down, he would step up and seize a spot, and he didn't. Drew Waters, which that kind of surprises me, but from the people I talk to, he's on the outside looking in as far as getting a spot. And then I know some people are excited about Nick Lofton. What about the idea that Prado, Waters, and Lofton are either quality depth in case someone gets hurt or maybe trade bait if you need to make another move? How do you feel if, if, if that's that's the starting offense, or at least you know, in the opening day, how would you feel if, if, if those are the guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I've i kind of always had this impression that those three that you brought up would be on the outside looking in. Um, you know, in terms of the outfield, Blanco fits the fourth-slash-fifth outfielder role much better than Waters. He's elite on the base path. He's at least good enough defensively. I think he's actually slightly above average. And the back can play a little bit. Hell, he was a couple of feet from having the first cycle since George Brett last year. Like, he's got a bat that can play. And if you're only counting on him one or two days a week, that's fine. Whereas Waters... I think there's a lot of upside there. There's a lot of potential. There's also a lot of swing and miss. And I don't know if he's getting the best version of himself if he's sitting five days a week. Yeah, I they want him to play every day. That's why he would go down to AAA, for sure. Yeah, and that's why I think that, you know, you start him off in AAA Omaha. Listen, you're not going to you know continue the entire season with the full 26-man roster that you have on opening day. Guys are going to get banged up. Guys are going to miss time. And you need to have reliable guys that can step in. You know, Waters. I think he's going to get a good amount of playing time this year. Right off the bat, probably not. Uh, you look at Nick Prado. I'm not ready to give up on Nick Prado. I just I kind of question what's in store for the future. Like Vinny Pasquantino is this team's first baseman. You know, Nelson Velasquez has this opportunity now to take the DH spot and run with it. Are you willing to move Nick Prado to the outfield? And if you do, where does he play? MJ's in left, and then Renfro's in right. And also, Prado had a massive, massive problem with just, I think, being too passive at the plate last year. He struck out 40% of the time. I mean, that, that's unplayable. As much as I hate to say it, it's absolutely unplayable. And I think he was so concerned with having a good eye at the plate, having the best approach, walking more, whereas he was taking pitches that were more than hittable. And if you're striking out 40% of the time, you can't put that in the lineup. So he needs everyday bats down in AAA Omaha. And, you know, I think that's all right. And for Lofton, I'm really high on him. I think Nick Lofton, you know, should be considered a top guy on this team because he was also a first-round pick. That kind of gets lost in, in some of the talk about Lofton. He's a really good player and has expectation to be a good player. He's also only got 20 big league games under his belt. Do you really want him to you know, start the season on the bench, not playing much? No, I think you can start him in AAA. And then, you know, if a guy like Garrett Hampson or an Adam Frazier goes down, boom, there, there's your next utility man that can play every spot in the infield and every spot in the outfield. I say this every spring training, but I'll re- re- repeat it again because I think this is good news for the Royals this time around. B, uh, it sh- alarm bells should go off anytime you hear 
an organization talking about how they have great competition going on for starting positions during spring training. That's not the sign of a team that's about to win a bunch more often than not. What it is is a sign of a team that's going to be going about spring training the wrong way. Because if a guy's fighting for his job in spring training, he's looking at results instead of getting himself ready for the season. When you look at that Royals team in 14 and 15 that won – Everybody knew they were starters going into the season, and they used spring training to work on things they needed to work on to get ready for the regular season. So these guys actually having an idea of who's penciled in at each spot is a positive, not a negative. These guys are pros. They don't need uh, the fire lit underneath them of competition in spring training to uh, to get themselves ready for the season. Uh, the, the thing that you said, Jack, that stood out to me, that is my biggest concern is is that, that one of the keys to the offense will be MJ Melendez and that you believe he's gonna have a better year this year. After two seasons in the big leagues, fairly similar numbers each of those two years, why do you think he's gonna be better this year? Yeah, I mean I think that, you know, last year what Royals fans became, you know, so in love with, infatuated with was the second half of Bobby Wood Junior, right? He went from a guy that Still was kind of trying to figure it out, and then all of a sudden he took off and he was an MVP candidate. MJ Melendez was damn good in the second half, and what stood out to me is that he actually, you know, tinkered with his stance at the plate a little bit. Alex Zumal talked about it. You know, the hand placement was a little bit different. He had the bat resting on his shoulder, then he kind of changed his hands a little bit higher, and that's when we saw the MJ Melendez of the second half, where the power came back a little bit. He had a better eye at the plate. He was hitting the ball harder. He was going the other way. Whereas opposed in the first half, he kind of was you know, leaning out a little bit over the plate, rolling it over to second base, not hitting the ball as hard. And to me, that's almost more noticeable than just if you had a hot start in the second half. I didn't change anything. I just started getting luckier. That I go, okay, well, that might have just been luck. You were unlucky in the first half, got a lot better luck in the second half. Now, Zumwalt talked about you know, MJ Melendez being able to – you know, try new things. And I think that's what people should admire about MJ Melendez. He was a catcher in spring last year, and they said, no, never mind, go learn the outfield. Let's start in right field. And they said, no, not right field, let's try left field. That's a lot on a young player to try to learn a different position and deal with the struggles at the plate. I think he's going into spring as a guy that says, I know where I'm playing, I can focus on one thing, I can focus at the plate, and I think he's got a bat and an approach that can really play well from a corner outfield spot. I expect him to be much better defensively than he was last year. Now, the bar's really low. He was one of the worst defensive outfielders in baseball. But I do think when you have an athlete like that, I think he's actually quicker than people expect. He's got an incredible arm. That can play well in left field. And then for the bat, I think the power is there. I think he's a 20-25 to home run guy. I think the walk rate can be there. I'd imagine if I had to put an expectation on it, you know, a 330 to 335 OBP guy, and you take that in a heartbeat. That would be 20 points higher than he was last year. And if you can get the second half MJ Melendez, that can completely transform this lineup. I mean, in a big, big way, because he's somebody they're counting on here. I know that for a while it was, okay, let's just give up on him. He was so bad in the first half. I still think there's a player in there, there's an athlete in there, and that's why I think he's one of my guys to quote-unquote break out, because if he can just get out, to a hot start in April. I know it's a big ass there. It's a big ass for a lot of guys when the weather's cold. I think his bat can play well deep into the season, and that's when you have something special, and that's when this Royals lineup can look completely different than it did last year. All right, of the, of the uh, relievers currently on the roster, uh, I mean, Will Smith 
came here because uh, of an opportunity to close some games, uh, and that's that's one of the deciding factors uh, of, of him signing with the Royals. But he's a lefty, and there's going to be games where they're going to need him earlier than the ninth inning because of matchups. And things that always work out, just because you tell a guy, hey, you're going to have an opportunity to close, you know, things happen. Who would you pick of the guys on the current roster that will who will lead the Royals and saves when it's all said and done? Someone on the roster right now or someone that's not on the roster? And if you pick someone on the roster, who is it? Yeah, I if I had to pick somebody on the roster just based off last year, because I think if Will Smith has to come in early on in the year, I'd imagine the ninth inning would go to James MacArthur, uh, the guy who was closing the door late last season. I actually talked to him a few days ago, and I thought what was funny about him and why I trust him in a safe situation. I asked him, you know, you were a starter last year, you were a middle reliever, and you were a closer. You know, which role do you like the best? He's like, honestly, I don't know. He's like, I don't have enough experience in any of those roles. And that, to me, I take that. He's not nervous to take the ball in any sort of spot. He took the ball in a sold-out Minute Maid Park against an Astros team that was competing for a division title, and he blamed the door two days in a row. It was effortless. He had one of the lowest whips of any reliever in September last year. So I think Matt Quattrero and, and Paul Hoover and Brian Sweeney, Zach Bove, all those guys know that you know it's a little bit of a competition. I know that we, we shouldn't really bring up competition. You want to have solidified roles here. But Will Smith, he's going to be the closer. There's also going to be days that he can't go a third day. He can't close back-to-back days. And I'd imagine right now, before we've seen any of the games, James MacArthur would be that guy. I don't expect them to give Carlos Hernandez that role. I think John McMillan is the best arm in this bullpen. He's got the best pure stuff. He also only has four big league innings to his name. So when it's all said and done, McMillan could be that closer. I think he's got the best closer stuff. But I could also see them easing him into this bullpen, you know, a sixth, seventh inning guy, and and leaving the eighth and ninth to guys like Will Smith, you know, guys like John Shriver, who was brought in uh, the other day. I think he actually arrived today. And then James MacArthur. If there was a current Royal who was there last year that would probably lead this team in saves, I'm going to go with uh, the six foot seven right hander. Do you think this bullpen's good? I, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be about league average. I, I think for the American League, you could put them right now as like the the sixth or the seventh best, which is a significant jump. Um, what it's going to come down to is the guys that is brought up. You know, MacArthur, McMillan, or Hernandez. Are they going to be, you know, the guys that really can take that next step? Because you know what you're getting. And Will Smith, Nick Anderson, uh, John Schreiber, Chris Stratton, those guys, you know pretty much every time out what they're going to give you. Where this bullpen can go from the seventh, eighth, ninth best to maybe the second, third, or fourth best in the American League is if McMillan can become that guy that's so lights out, that Hernandez can be the first half version of himself and not the second half like we saw last year. And if MacArthur can be anything close to what he was late in the season. I mean, that's when you really talk about you know, six, seven guys that you can count on and rely on every single night. And last year, it was basically drawing names out of a damn hat. You didn't know who was going to come in there in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. There was a different arm out there in the bullpen every single day. It was like a doubleheader when there was the 27th man, the taxi squad. You, Some guys were on like number 87 and number 88 out there. Now it's a much more defined You've got guys that are going to be settling to, settling into roles. And I think early on, you're going to see a bullpen that is very well established. What's going to happen, though, is guys are going to get banged up. And do the Royals have the depth down in the minor leagues to continue the trend of having a pretty good bullpen? That's probably remained to be seen right now. If uh, someone told you that Devin Williams from the Brewers was available, and he's he's got a couple of years left to team control, 
so it's not going to be cheap. You know, depends on what the Brewers want. But knowing you'd have to obviously give something of value up for him, would you be interested in the Royals acquiring Devin Williams, or would you pass and go with what you've got and not give up anything and just see if you could find a closer from uh, within? That question is to you, Nate, and Jake. Jack? You know, I would probably say that you know Devin Williams is, is the best closer in baseball. I think I'd go as far to say that, uh, especially that he's got years of control that makes him even more expensive. I just don't know if the Royals even have anything to offer uh, to Milwaukee that would make sense. Uh, I'd imagine if Milwaukee was to take a call, they're wanting top prospects at this point. I think they're kind of trying to do a, a half rebuild, if you will. I'm not sure that anybody on the Royals roster uh, would make sense uh, for Milwaukee to acquire. I I think the two most valuable guys, maybe the three most valuable guys in Kansas City would be Bobby Wood Jr., Vinny Pasquantino, and Cole Reagan. And the Royals aren't moving any of those guys. We nope. heard the rumblings of you know, Miami and then the Royals talking about a trade for Jesus Lazardo and Vinny Pasquantino. I think closers are a lot different. They have such a short shelf life. Uh, they're really elite for about two to three years. If, if the Royals were somehow uh, able to finagle a way to not – you know, give up everything for Devin Williams? Yeah, I think it makes sense because J.J. Bacola wants this bullpen to be the best possible version of itself. I just don't think the Royals have anything to offer Milwaukee that would be worth taking on a phone call. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give a hypothetical. Nate is giving me a dirty look right now, but let's, let's throw this out there. Brady Singer and a couple of prospects of their of their choosing. I um, you're not gonna like this, but I, 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 mean, I have a while. You know what I'm gonna like. I, I think it. that the Royals should still be trying to acquire prospects, not not get rid of any. Um, I, I I feel like and Jack, you you guys both know the system better than me. Do, do they have a top 100 guy in their system right well, now? One. Well, who, who, I think who, who are you asking? Cool. You. Yeah, Blake Mitchell. Well, I mean, <laughs> okay, but according I'm, to the rankings, I mean, like that Baseball America, ESPN. The way they view their prospects and their system is different than the way Baseball America and, and Baseball Perspectives views them. I think they think they have a middle of the road system that needs to be built up. Yeah. But I can also tell you there is a tremendous desire for a uh, 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 stud closer. Ah. And what else I can tell you is they ain't trading Bobby Witt. Nope. They ain't trading Michael Garcia. Nope. They ain't trading Vinny Pasquantino. Good. They ain't trading Cole Reagans. I wouldn't be upset. They might trade Brady Singer. Yeah, that wouldn't drive me nuts. And there's a couple of prospects. I'm just How many years of that. control does he have? Brady Singer three, have yeah, like two? You want me to answer three? that question? See ya, Brady. Wow. I think Williams has two. Brady Singer has three. It would take more than Brady Singer. Right. But if you, I'm, not, I'm just trying to present something like Jack said that would make sense. That the Royals would do, it's it's hard to figure out what the Brewers are doing. They'll make a move that seems like they're rebuilding. Then they'll make a move. Oh, they're trying to win, right, Jack? It's like you have to figure out what they're doing. I'm just giving you a hypothetical. Yeah, because Singer does have value. Yep. And they're you know a prospect or two. That's all. I'm I'm just some people shun the idea of trading for a closer, but he's not just a closer. And this is, I just, and, and I you guess know. you can make the case too that if they get off to a bad start, things aren't going well. They could turn around and flip him again and get things back. Oh yes, you know. So yeah, that, that oh, I'm not yes. married to Brady Singer by any stretch. That'd be weird if you were. Yeah, Kelly probably. Be yeah, that would be. That. You know, know. You'd, that would you'd be arrested. <laughs> I think Jack is stunned by the ridiculous uh, scenario I, I put up. 
But that's what I like to do, Jack. Yeah. I like to make people think. We play scenario around here. Yeah. It's a... It's a great deal, you know, hypothetical here. I, I think if that scenario was to work and what I imagine Milwaukee is going to do, because they are kind of in that limbo, as you said. You know, I I can't say they're a top contender. They're, they're one of the contenders in the National League Central. I'm not going to say they're the favorite. Kind of got to wait and see what the Cubs are going to do. But if Devin Williams had a bad first half, let's say that he, you know, just reverted back to maybe – the 10th or 8th, ninth, 10th best closer in the National League. And Brady Singer has a great first half. Then you could reevaluate where you're at the deadline. And it's, hey, we can we can boost this value of Brady Singer. We'll take on Devin Williams, who isn't as good as he was last year, but now he's a little bit more affordable. And maybe we have a prospect that plays really well in the first half. We add another top 100. That's when it can become a little bit realistic. For now, though, I think Milwaukee's going into spring training expecting to hold on to Devin Williams and then see where they are at at the trade deadline. But I'm always of the belief if you could if you could flip a reliever, you know, for for when when they're when they're peaking for the right package, you do it. That's that that makes sense. It's good baseball because we've seen. I mean, they hey look, they traded Hater. They'll trade anybody. I mean, it's just that's right, Nate. That's that's uh, I think that's smart baseball. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. It'd be interesting. It's intriguing. I think it's you. You've uh, you've tintillated us. Uh, that's horrible. Hey, uh, Jack. Great job as always. We'll talk to you uh, uh, throughout uh, your your stay up there, and and peace be with you, and Godspeed as you ride as a passenger in uh, Saran Petro's car. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, fellas. You know, stay safe. Seatbelt. Isn't that the truth? Backseat. So you know, zero in an outburger, zero Del Taco. McDonald's runs. I don't know what kind you of get, You get out to Arizona. He's like, got to get some McDonald's. Can't get that anywhere I can't else. I tell people what to do. Right. You know, I think Del Taco's delicious. Of the taco. I think In-N-Out, the, the In-N-Out thing is, has Jake Furious in there. Right? I like In-N-Out. I, I, I don't love it. I don't love it as much as everybody else. I, I love did. a Del what, Taco. What do you prefer over In-N-Out? Me? Yeah. Burger, well, burger I, have, wise. I have to say, I'm not the biggest burger guy. I like a good hamburger from home. I would green say grass cattle. Yeah, yeah green grass cattle I, I company. Would be right. Make me one. I yeah, love make for us that. One. If it comes to a burger place, town topic. But yeah, you know, no, talking about chain, like uh, yeah, chain. Like In and Out's probably the best. Go to burger King ahead of that. In and Out's probably the best. I'll tell you what. I you do not talk bad about Burger King I'm in not, my I'm presence. Actually, I'm asking. <laughs> Flame broiled, buddy. Okay. Don't, don't, don't talk about. I'm not. I'm, you know, there have been many a lonely time where a Whopper Junior has been my friend. My problem with 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 Burger King is the fries. I'm not fried. Yeah, we we're not asking no, about fries. In and Out has their fries are very mediocre. Now we're just talking about burgers. Like if you would have said Five Guys, okay, all right. You know, no, I don't really. There's not. I, I don't think there's one that I like better than In and Out. I'm just not a big burger guy. I'm, a ta- I'm much more of a taco guy. guy. You know, the wrong this guy this is a terrible conversation. Then well, I'm, I'm, a, just I'm telling a, you. I go. I go. Pizza and tacos tied for for first. Oh, pizza is always number one. Pizza and tacos tied for second. This is a specific conversation. Yeah, we're we're, we're not talking about favorite. We're I know in and out's good. In and out's better than most uh, most places. Wouldn't you? I'm gonna say. Wouldn't wouldn't your list of places you visited differ from what Jack Johnson just said? Yes. I always, whenever I would go to Arizona, I, I always would make yeah. at least one stop at In-N-Out during the right. time there I was there, go. for there sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Um, the, the one time I stayed for a week out in Arizona, the people at Del Taco knew my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Hey, what's going on? 
How you doing? Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's there's tears shed when I left the last day. The usual for Stephen St. John. Sorry. Hey, he's back. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a break. Again. Uh, hey. I'm getting true. hungry. Back after this on WHP. Welcome back to the show. It's Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. We're talking about food and, and Nate. I didn't tell you. It was supposed to be a surprise. We Sandbagging son of a gun. Yeah, he goes, I'm so hungry now. And so I didn't tell you that uh, we're going to have an Emo's Pizza drop today. My man Lucas from Emo's Pizza is here. So, Lucas, if you don't mind, tell Nate Bucati what you've brought us uh, today from Emo's Pizza. Well, we're playing the hits. we got your sausage agreed pepper for Steven, the sweet heat, some cheese in case the Drake is wandering around here somewhere. Well, he's wandering. Um, we got a Provel bites, a bread bites, some Caesar salad, a little bit of everything. Yeah. What did I just say? My favorite things. <laughs> yeah. See? It's like, oh, they just all showed one. up in my uh, office right when I walked outside. How about you in there? How about me? Pizza is huh? my favorite food in yeah, the world. Right. I've seen you put down a whole Emo's pizza <laughs> in one sitting. I can do that easily. I know you could. The big one. The double big one. So tell it what, what, what's going on if they want to come out to the location on Rainbow or out on 135th Street. I know they got uh, you got the great lunch specials and the uh, the uh, toasty trio. What, yeah. uh, what what can people come out and uh, and order up uh, that uh, you got going on right now? Yeah, you're doing a great job of hitting those main marks. We got the toasty trio, 16 inch one topping pizza, eight toasted ravioli and garlic cheese bread for 27.99. We got that lunch special starts at 10.50. Entree, side, and a drink. It's about to be 70 for the next week or two. We got a patio, some bottles of beer. So we got frozen pizzas on hand if you need to stock the freezer. You're a little bit further away from the metro. So one way or another, we want to get you fed. That's right. I will say, uh, as a Catholic during Lent, pizza's a great way to go. You can load up a nice cheese pizza or veggie pizza. And a salad. And a salad. Absolutely. Good to go. You got some kids who are getting adjusted to the Prevail, but you got fresh mozzarella. We got thicker crust. We got the Prevel bites and cheese bread. One way or another, like I said, we're going to feed the family. You got sandwiches. You got pastas. You got uh, lasagna. You got it all. Absolutely. You got everything. You don't need to get adjusted to Prevel. One taste and you'll be hooked. My buddy Chuck went down to the Rainbow One, said hello to Jill. Yes, that's my cousin and general manager. We keep it in the family. Nice. Tight operation. Yeah. yeah. We're on a tight great. ship there. We do our best. And we had a great Super Bowl watch party with... Uh, a bunch of great food from Emo's Pizza. That was awesome. So the heart-shaped pizza, the Brady Cook special, the pepperoni and bacon, it's all good in Emo's hood. So thank you very much, for uh, uh, Lucas, for bringing the pizza in. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank you guys for keeping things fun last week. And then I know these last few days have been hard, but I do appreciate you guys both being honest, being vulnerable, and also, like I said, laughing so you don't cry. Even on Wednesday as it was happening, I tapped into Seren and Curtis. And like I said, just digesting it, following up, and then, like I said, just moving forward the best we all can. It's been really nice to know you guys personally, but also you guys just being with us along the way. You know, that's uh, thank you very much for those kind of words. It's also wonderful that uh, you feed us pizza from time to time. Yeah. And so you keep us going. Mm-hmm. All right. This show is powered Fuel by us. Emo's Pizza. It keeps me talking. <laughs> you see, I would have no voice at all if not for the Emo's Pizza. All right. Thank you to all my friends at Emo's Pizza. Go to emospizza.com. You can get them on Rainbow Boulevard, not on 135th Street. Go to both. The hell with it. Hi, Todd. I got pizza. You want some? Come here, buddy. All right. We'll be back after this on WHB. Welcome back to the Border Patrol and Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks to all of our guests. We have Mike DeCourcy on the show, Gabe DeArmond from PowerMizzou.com, former Chiefs wide receiver Mark Bo Richter. Um, 
Also, Jack Johnson live from spring training where he's covering the Royals with Saran Petro. All that good stuff. Soccer Nate's back in full effect. Yeah, baby. So. Soccer, soccer, right. soccer, soccer. Conspiracy Jake made a quick appearance <laughs> in the show. So. Oh, these are facts. Yeah. These are facts. I'm sure they are. It wouldn't be Conspiracy Jake if he wasn't saying Watch they were facts. No, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, come on. I was going to start the I'm not. No, come on, let's go. I need to get that earlier in the show. I was going to get him going. <laughs> Just follow me on Twitter. What about tomorrow? Tomorrow we're going to be joined in studio by our, our everybody's favorite, Greg Gurley. He'll be in oh, here to boy. make fun of Nate. Nate can sit on his lap. That's going to be good. What time is that going to be? 8 a.m. Oh, can't wait. Ah, Can't that way? Yeah. Working on a couple other things. But, Work uh, on it at least. But that that's that's solid confirmed. Eight a.m. Greg Gurley will be in studio with us. Make Botica come in here. Yeah, well, I'll get bought in early. Yeah, lots to hash out with him. You know. Hey, it could be the other way. We could be talking about why didn't the Royals do anything in the offseason? Right. I don't know if it's going to work. But at least there's a lot of moves and a lot of effort that's been put forth in trying to get this team turned around. So I'll I'll I choose that mm-hmm. as opposed to why didn't they do anything again? Why don't they spend any money? Whatever the motive is, they have real major league starting pitchers, people who throw strikes. I'm I'm here for it. Real accomplished relievers. I mean, you know, sounds like I'm. I'm I'm just thankful for the bare necessities, but after last year, I am. Yeah, after the last couple years. You know. Yeah. Oh, look, there's a starting pitcher that you can actually hope to see in the fifth inning. It'd be great. So, get me fired up. And this up. division is, is up for grabs, man. Yeah. It is. Sure it is. I'll tell you, one division's not the AFC West. No. Third place is up for grabs. Hmm? Yeah. Well, on that note, I'm going to go eat Emo's Pizza, which I'm sure will help my throat in many ways. Yes. But the most importantly, it'll help my stomach. Uh, everyone have a great day right here on Sports Radio 810 WHP. Goodbye.